On this episode of Whale Cave, Moon Zappa gets a disturbing lesson from a member of the cult, Bart Coleman sees a light coming out of his chest at a fish concert, and host Matt Price yells at a Ticketmaster employee who won't let him see Regina Spector. Whale Cave starts now. We've been talking all night and listening, but we both know that there's something missing. Yeah, I think the time is right for kissing. You know I will. All right, everybody, welcome to Whale Cave. My name is Matt Price. I am the host of this program. Thank you so much for listening. Great show. Uh, Moon Zap is here. Bark Holman is also here. And the music that led us in was by Jim Bianco. He's a very talented local artist here in Los Angeles. Uh, that song was called Shut Up and Kiss Me. That's uh, it's a line I've never used. But I'm not a cool guitar dude. Like Jim Bianco, if you've got a cool voice like Jim, play a little guitar, you can say things like that. My lines were usually like, uh, like, hey, I know I've been listening to you talk about your ex-boyfriend for six months, but do you want to go see You've Got Mail? It was something more along those lines. But Jim, Jim's a cool dude. Go uh, download his music. I'm going to play uh, some of the stuff throughout the, the this episode. And if you're in L.A., go see him live. He does a great live show. Um, all right. All right. We have a, a great show. Uh, before uh, I talk to Moon, um, I just want to say real quick, exciting thing happened to me this week in the world of music. I, my wife and I saw a concert, which is exciting because if you've listened to the show before, you know that my wife and I have uh, very little, very little music I- I that we like in common. Uh, we've seen a few shows together. We've seen Bruce Springsteen, Bon Jovi, and uh, we'll go see jazz sometimes for free at the museum. But otherwise, there's not a lot of overlap. Like, I like Wilco. She likes Will I Am. Do you see what I did there? There's a little Will there in the overlap. But we had tickets to see Regina Spector at the Greek Theater. I'm a huge Regina Spector fan. Um, so we saw her. It was great. I know when I go to concerts, I, I don't, by the way, I don't feel like I need to see shows with my wife. I'm fine going alone and just enjoying the music. I don't need to have, you know, my hand in my wife's back jean pocket or anything. While the show is going on, I, I can sit there and enjoy it. But it was nice. It was nice to see it with her, and I was excited to go. The problem was, before the show, it was like 6.30, show started at 8, babysitter comes. I go to print out the tickets, and my, my friend, I should say my friend, uh, uh, sold me two tickets, and she emailed them to me because she was going to Alaska, literally. She was going. She couldn't go to the show because she was going to Alaska at the last minute. I don't know how you go to Alaska at the last minute, but she was going. So... I had to print out these tickets, and they weren't attached. It wasn't a PDF file. There was a link, and we didn't have her password. So I'm furiously texting my friend in Alaska, but she's literally on a glacier. Like, there's probably no cell reception on a glacier, and we're kind of screwed. So I call Ticketmaster. Now, I know if you've ever dealt with Ticketmaster, they're, the wor they're like worse than the DMV in terms of helping you out. But I'm calling this guy, and I'm like, listen, my wife, I literally, I, that my thing with customer, uh, customer services i tell the whole story so i'm like listen my wife and i we don't overlap a lot with shows blah 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 i'm, I'm telling him and he's like uh-huh uh-huh i can't give you your friend's password to get into this link and i'm like dude you, I, why would i who has ever stolen a regina specter ticket like she's this indie piano playing rock like no it's never been done and i'm kind of getting an argument with this guy and i'm like put me out with your supervisor i want to see regina specter immediately 
So he puts me on with his supervisor, and I'm getting in a fight, and I realize I'm getting in a fight with the supervisor. I must be the only heterosexual male who has ever gotten in an argument about not going, not getting uh, admitted to a Regina Spectre concert. It's never happened before, and she wouldn't let me go. She wouldn't let me go. So I'm like, fuck it. We, we take our, the email, because we're going to be late. We take the email, print it out, figure we'll go to the Greek and somehow like tell our sad tale to get in. My friend finally texts me her, she's in Anchorage. She stopped glacier uh, uh, hiking. Text me her password. And, uh, and anyway, go to the concert. It's really great. But the side note to the story is I've learned <laughs> this total, total digression from the story. But the um, listen, um, com- comedians have funny passwords. That's sort of the, what I really learned from this tale is that if you're a comedian, you have to have a funny password because she texts me this. These weren't her passwords exactly, but she texts me, um, okay, it's either poop-a-doop or doggy style 68 which i don't know that kind of put a little smile on my face and de uh de-stressed us and then we enjoyed the concert the concert was really wonderful and uh and i did put my hand in my wife's back jean pocket it was really fun inside you'll find me hammer to the floorboards of your heart with All right. Let's get to it. Let's get to Whale Cabin. <laughs> Across from me, actress, writer, comedian, very funny, Moon Zappa. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Uh, you know, when I started doing Whale Cave, I feel like I, you were like one of the first people I called. And so it's great. It's great that you're here. Well, I've, I mean, I've always enjoyed seeing you perform wherever it's occurred. Uh, I've been a fan of yours for many, many years. I'm going to accept that. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So we were talking yesterday about some stories. Yeah. Yeah, I I know. I mean, I feel like you would have a billion stories, but you were telling me some, uh, you want to just, Yeah, I mean, I don't even know how I'd set it up. No, I was thinking about the show and I was thinking about, um, what's alive for me right now? What wants to be told? (laughs) And um, first of all, I love your, I love your story about going to see Regina Spector. And my question to you is, did, did, did you ever at any point put your wife on your shoulders? <laughs> I wish I'd thought of that. Oh, right. No. <laughs> but when I go home, I'm going to. Just because. No, that's a great, that's a great plan. Has that ever that happened is, to you? Have you, have, you as a, have you ever gone to a show with a date and someone's put you on the shoulders? No, but it's something I'm going to definitely put on my list of things to do before I die. Yeah, your concert bucket list. Uh-huh. <laughs> great. Um, so the, the, a couple of things that have... Uh, that in, in, as music is relevant for me today, a couple things. Of course, there's the history of the the things I've done in the name of music, mm-hmm. um, the experiences music has given back to me, not just the sound, um, but some of the... Um, well, one example would be um, Billy Duffy from The Cult mm-hmm. uh, gave me my first blowjob lesson. He was my first blowy. Now, yeah. I'm sorry, just keep talking. Yeah. Oh, what? Did you have a question about that? <laughs> well, I assume you were going to elaborate, but but when you said a lesson, mm-hmm. is it is it the traditional? This is a giant pickle, or uh, you is know, it here's an actual? The thing. Here's the thing. I think I think I was pretty pretty old to be learning for the first time how to give a blowjob. I would have to say uh, I don't even remember what whatever year that was that where the single was. What is that? Well, that'd be. I mean, I mean, that's a pretty accurate description of the song, right? So um, that, right. That, that, their big single was, wasn't it? In like the late. Yeah. What year is that? Is it the late eighties? Probably. 
Listen, like, I was a nerd in... 86? I want yeah, to say probably. it's like 86 or something. Ooh, that, that makes me about 16 or 17. That doesn't sound right. The point being, I was probably the worst groupie experience he ever had. I was so not knowledgeable, but I got invited back to the, the hotel room. So you're a groupie of the cult? No, no, no. no. Oh, okay. I wasn't. I'm saying from his perspective, I'm imagining it was like the opposite of... Uh, this is going to be just like every other awesome right. groupie situation. And uh, he had to give me a tutorial. <laughs> uh, and so I was like, well, how do you make it hard? Like, I literally knew nothing. I was literally, and it was, it, w- it couldn't have been less sexy. It was so, it was just, it was just, I think, underwhelming for both of us. I mean, I got probably more out of it. Just was like, oh, that's a surprise. Didn't know <laughs> I did that. That's and, something. Oh, look at the technique I'm learning. So the lesson was essentially for him to get a blowjob. It wasn't like, hey, I'm going out with this guy. No, I, I wasn't going out with him. This was literally an act of mercy. He was he was sending me out into the world with the knowledge of how to blow future musicians. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So if if you if you have had access to me or you in the future will have access to me, there's a baseline of uh, some Billy Duffy in there. There's some cult. for you to enjoy. There's right. a little cult. There's a little salt and pepper. What the hell? What's the song? I don't even know. The, what, what? Firewoman. There, there's something like that. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's the cult's big song. Smokestack. I don't know. Oh, okay. Something. I was thinking, there's, isn't there a song "She Sells Sanctuary" or something like that? Maybe that could have been one of the other ones. Then my other sweet, sweet memory uh, that I want to share with you. That's not it? No. That's Alice in Chains. <laughs> I'm getting all these sort of <laughs> semi-metal, yeah. kinda, pop metal. Kinda. Okay. One of my other um, favorite romantic tales of uh, what music has given back to me. So I Wait, was, can I go? I'm so sure. sorry. Go ahead. And, and what is it? You have to forgive me because when you say blowjob lesson, that's going to take one minute just to get out of my brain. <laughs> Um, so is he not to make it weird but so just to set the, just to finish the story yes you're at a cult show no 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 I was friends with the drummer who had a crush on me drummer of the cult has a crush on you I didn't have the same feelings for him okay. but I got to know the guys and sure hanging out with the cult hanging out with the cult and um Billy invited me back to his room Billy's at like, the hey, Sunset Moon, Marquee yeah. you're at the, hey you want to come back to Sunset Marquee sure I do yes but I don't know how to give a low job that never came up until we were in the room. Of course, no, no, no I'm right. sure it's not. And then he unzipped the le- leather pants or whatever right. you have to wear. Your, and he says, your "Uniform." Right. Well, here's how you do it. Here's how it goes. <laughs> right? Because they're British, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. Okay. Take out yeah. the pecker. Yeah, my member. Yeah, I don't exactly remember if he. So, in, so, there, right. it, was, it was made clear to me that just his pants were coming off and there was something that I was supposed to do to him. Okay, so this wasn't like a Fast Times hybrid situation where she's like, "No, you do it like this." It was. This is like. He he's like and go Got and, it. Like, Here's my- and go what? Got it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So it's like a who's on first situation. <laughs> but the guy in the car. Okay. I'm sorry. I just want to clarify that. Okay. So moving on. Moving on. Moving on. Um, the the other story I wanted to tell you about was uh, um, I used to be obsessed with Faith No More. That was my band. They were my jam. Mm-hmm. And I was obsessed with Mike Patton. And um, I used to play a little game with the universe called if there's a parking space out in front of blah, 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 then I meant to blah, blah. I played the meant to be there game, right? And so I had one of these um, one of these uh, moments where I, I happened to be listening to K-Rock and they were going to do an in-store at Tower Records. P.S. We used to have record stores. Anyway, <laughs> um, so uh, I, 
I knew that I, this is my moment to, to finally meet this band I've been obsessing about to meet Mike Patton and you know obviously then get married like meet him and then get married sure and so is this the time where their huge song it's it blah, blah, blah. yeah I'm yeah. the worst yeah. Yeah. piano and the you exploding piano you get it you, da, 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 yeah. that whole yeah. thing uh-huh. it's called epic I think that's right but it's like that it was all over MTV it was like a monster right. song okay right so that's right around there right so I was just I'm like yes sign you, me you up loved it. I yeah. loved it so but I'm also so I was th- my thinking was and at that time I was really into writing my father's coattails because I had nothing going on personally so I was like they're probably around the same age that that I am, so they, they have some knowledge of my father. They'd probably be somewhat impressed because the way the music is, it had a little. It, it was kind of surprising in a way that there had to have been possible. I can, I have the gift of knowing if somebody has been exposed to my father's music. So there are there are bands out there. I'm like, well, that's a strain. Right. They have a, some of the virus of my father right. in that music, and so I was I was taking my chances, but I was like, it's pretty much in the pocket. Bay Area. A lot of Beatley. There, there's some. There's some yeah. Zappa stuff in there. <laughs> right. We're going to connect. Um, so, uh, but I didn't want to make it so obvious. So I, I didn't put any makeup on. I, I had a like a Jane Fonda kind of workout outfit that exposed my back acne because I didn't want. I didn't want to like dress up for <laughs> no happily ever after. Um, <laughs> you, he's going to have to work for it a little bit. Well, that's that. My thing is like meet me as I am. I, yes, I'm manipulating you, but this is what you're going to get. Right. I don't have to like dress it up. Yeah. And you also have the knowledge that you now know how to give a blowjob. So. Right. So I'm feeling empowered. Yeah. So, Back um, acne, blowjob, <laughs> lesson. Let's do this. Let's go. So if it's meant to be, if there's a parking space across from Tower Records, lo and behold, to our parking, mm. it's on. Yeah. So I cross the street um, at the crosswalk because I'm a, also a, a do-gooder. And a, I mean, I can't, I can't, I'm a, not a rule breaker. I like to do things by the book. Sure. Thing. So anyway, I go in and uh, spot them. The place is empty. I couldn't believe it. It's Faith No More, and there's nobody in there for this in-store that they're doing. I'm, I, it's beyond my comprehension, but I'm, more for me, fine. Yeah. So um, I pretend to browse in a section and bump into Mike Patton and uh, strike up a conversation. It's going great. Yes, he's a fan of my father's. We, we have a conversation. He's really more interested in, in Tetris. He's playing on his little Tetris <laughs> situation. Uh, that's okay. That's okay. That's, we're just getting to know each other. He doesn't know that we're getting married. So um, then... He's uh, the, he was the lead singer? He's the lead singer. Right, okay. Yeah. So then he says, hey, have you met our drummer? And I say, no. And I turn around and there's Mike Borden. And Mike Patton disappears. It's it's love at first sight. I am in love with Mike Borden. Love at first sight. I don't even Mike Patton who. So it right. now I, it's a surprise to me. I came to manipulate Mike Patton, but right. I'm getting the surprise gift of you got the drummer, yeah, right. So um, and it was, I mean he could spit really high into the air and then catch the hmm. saliva in his mouth. Sexy. And he had he had um, um, dreadlocks he hadn't washed for decades. That came down to the I think his. Basically, where his knee bends, and both of those things were appealing to you at that time. <laughs> the spitting, this is yeah, yeah, and the dreads. This is the white dreads. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. I was into it, and Fair. Um, and his name was Puffy. That was his nickname. I just thought it's so cute. First Puffy, Puffy hair. Um, so, um, we uh, we connect in a, in a really on a soul level. But he's just gotten out of a relationship with somebody, and um, and so he's he's we we end up basically spending two weeks out of every month for almost a year, where He'll sleep in my bed, stay with me, and nothing happens. He's courting me in an old-fashioned way. <laughs> a and gentleman. A gentleman. A gentleman of the pop metal scene. Which is so surprising, right? Yes. So I, um, and then I start turning into, I guess, like the guy going, 
seriously, what's up? Why, like, is this a- mm-hmm. I know it's unfathomable, but I was thinking, maybe there's something wrong with me. I know. You're looking at me now, and you're thinking, that's... Uh, no. Yeah, no. But I was... That's not one, possible. I was wondering. So, um, I ended up somehow... Um, getting invited to come stay with him for the first time up in the Bay Area. So how long now? How long has gone by? This is almost a year. So it's been a year of him in your bed. Yes. Cuddling, whatever. Yes. Talking. Yes. Will you, will you comb out my dreads? And literally no no sex acts, just like most right. romantic letters, postcards from all over the world. I got to be there when they were on SNL. It was really? like I was there for like big moments that were game-changing moments for that band and, and you know i'm just thinking oh just old-fashioned it's just like the 1800s yeah. which i love i love a merchant ivory Ye situation. Faith no more yes <laughs> <laughs> but he's writing you are the letters intimating that maybe hey man oh i've got mixtapes from him like stacks of that like it's on it's like on. love mixtapes oh yeah like with well, the, they had like Belle Biv DeVoe or whatever uh, was at the time. No, he had uh, Nature Boy and some Roxy music and some... Mm. Um, but Avalon on there. It wasn't Avalon. It was... It was uh, sorry, not Ro- Roxy music. What was before Roxy music? Um, was that Genesis? No, what was that? Before the, Roxy music? What was he in before? He took Peter Gabriel... He was Peter Gabriel's person and then he became his own thing. Must have been Roxy music. I right? don't know. Anyway, I don't, I don't I, I'm, a music I'm ter- podcast or anything. I, I, yeah, I'm... T- <laughs> <laughs> anyway... Um, so I go to stay with him for the first time and I believe this is going to be the culminating weekend it's going to happen something's going to happen I'm I'm on his terrain Uh, so the first thing that happens is he takes me to meet his dad hey that's a great sign huge sign yeah, huge sign and I hit it off with his dad and we're at this restaurant and somebody taps uh, me on the shoulder at the restaurant and says hey does your name start with an M I go yeah there's a friend of yours who works in the kitchen and I'm like, that's what? I don't know anybody in the Bay Area other than my s- boyfriend <laughs> that I'm not sleeping with. Yeah. So I um, I go in the kitchen and march through giant crowded uh, restaurant into the kitchen, bustling kitchen. Somebody from many, many feet away shouts, you're not Merrily, his ex-girlfriend. Uh, and so I'm like, oh, that was awkward. So I go back to the table. And they're like, who was it? I'm like, nobody I knew. Anyway, so I go back to enjoying this great dinner meeting mm-hmm. his dad and this romantic weekend and during this time i simultaneously get a phone call from uh, i was friends with rob schneider's wife at the time this woman named london and she had been dating somebody who threw a phone book at her two-year-old baby and so she yeah. she calls me crying saying i have to flee and find a way to get back to ohio and so in the middle of my romantic weekend i'm like we're gonna also culminate this act and save a family And so she comes to the apartment. And the time in which I'm walking her down to uh, the the car, the elevator door closes. And uh, I don't know this until I get back up into the apartment. But Merrily has has shown up at the apartment. and um, The Merrily. The Merrily. And so... (laughs) Not uh, another Merrily. Right. (laughs) And so I walk in the the apartment. And there he is looking kind of weird. And um, and I I figure out, oh, he's talking to somebody. And so I look around the corner and there's Merrily. And and she's wearing a half shirt. She's got like dyed or bleached blonde hair, a half shirt. Um, Oxblood, Doc Martens, and um, just, just the epitome of tragic. And I'm thinking, this must be so hard for her to see how pretty I am. <laughs> but, like, this is a great moment because she's finally going to realize 
it's really over. Like, yeah. we need to move on. Yeah. And so she Save says... no more, literally. Literally. So yeah. she says, um, the, the, the glasses are drinking out of or my wedding... I don't, this is my version of her voice. Sure. She, she probably has a beautiful speaking voice. But in my <laughs> mind, how I... Yeah. The glasses you're drinking out of or wedding gifts and thing, and thing. And he's, like, horrified by this whole experience. And anyway, he... He leads this crying woman to the the door, and, and she departs. and And he gets a whole lot nicer. He lets me comb his hair or pat it, really. And um, and though we do not culminate this, you know, we don't have like the little sure. the thing, the love thing. Um, we we are clearly closer. It's a real defining moment for him to move on and her to move on. And I know we're moving forward at this yeah. point. But when I get back to Los Angeles, he tells me he's coming to town, but he's not going to stay with me the next time he travels. And I'm thinking that's kind of weird. He makes up some excuse, and I'm like, hmm. So at the time, I have so much pull that I call Rick D's, and I get, <laughs> I get the opportunity to appear on Rick D's show, and I'm gonna, re- I'm gonna just like put fire in that hole and get him to come out and admit that we're together because I'm and like, you, this is not enough already. And you know Rick D's. I know Rick D's. Um, just through uh, you know whatever things, but, number of you know whatever. But you know him enough just to hey, be like hey what's up Rick hey Rick I want to be on your show Let and I want out. you to ask me if I have a boyfriend I'm going to say no but I'm going to be wearing my Faith okay. No More T-shirt and I'm going to say I don't kiss and tell and point to this T-shirt right and in my mind it's like that this makes all the sense in the world and he's going to be like see merrily and then we live happily ever after so it's all you know yeah. this is going to work out anyway so I get on the show do the thing and. Um, now he's not even returning phone calls. Anyway, point is, I find out, oh, when I finally get him on the phone, he says to me, I say, when, he's still maintaining, yes, no, of course we're a couple, whatever. I said, well, when was the last time you slept with Marilee? And he says, I don't know, three months ago. And I'm like, oh, now I can, now the lie barometer, I, I'm like, oh, it could have been five minutes ago because <laughs> yeah. we've been going out for a year. Right. Yeah. Hello? Yeah. So I then do the thing that's anybody does in that situation i drive to his management's office <laughs> to scream at them <laughs> you you knew this and never said anything right. and it turns out his name is puffy because he smokes a lot of pot oh man not because his hair is puffy sheesh that's something you think you might have figured out here's the thing i'm the kind of person that i just think everyone's eccentric i went out with a guy i didn't know he was doing heroin i just i would be like you smell like metallic i don't know why and he'd be like "Mm." yeah Mm." and his nickname was smacky right (laughs) (laughs) but you were like "Mm." he must like sugar smacks (laughs) yes i don't get it this is this is i know i mean for someone who's so bright i'm incredibly naive (laughs) well you know what i think you're hopeful And romantic, and <laughs> you want guys who spit in their mouth and have dread to be no, no, no. At the time, at the time, at the time. So okay, so so uh, did you ever speak with Puffy about this, or did it just fade away? And that was kind of he just faded away. Yeah, he, he's uh, like every a, every now and then I'll hear from a friend of mine that he sends a hello, and I'm just like, why? Right. But okay, I mean, he's he has no reason to not have fond memories of me. No, it sounds like you were a wonderful yeah platonic girlfriend <laughs> <laughs> you gave him a lot you gave him what puffy needed listen he didn't he never had the chance to try out my awesome billy duffy-esque blowjob so <laughs> yeah his loss is what i say uh did he change his name to p diddy or no did i don't he? think so no? i don't think um, there might have been a legal thing over that i'm not sure yeah who, yeah. yeah how that all um played out and <laughs> facebook friends is that no no, no nothing nothing just clean break 
Yeah, I, I'm Sicilian, so that means once it's done, you are dead to me. I don't understand the people that keep going back and like trying it again. I, I never was that person, right? So, um, and then the, and the people that remain friends with people, huh? Well, he also, I mean, it seems like he really was pretty, I don't even know if dishonest is the right word, but emotionally dishonest. I think you're right. I'd say. Matt. I'd say. What I love about that story, too, is that you you went to Rick D's. Isn't that pathetic? I mean, seriously. Just, like, of all the ways to get get the info. No, it was, it, to me, that was a straight line. Like, it was the it was the straight line between two dots. That is so crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you didn't even think twice about it. Like, on Rick D's, like that never. When I was a kid, that never really entered my mind. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go to WLS and talk to Larry Lujan <laughs> in, in Chicago. I have absolutely. I don't have that kind of pull anymore. P.S. At the time, he was not the biggest thing on television or radio. Rick D's, yes, he, he didn't not. have D sleeves yet. He wasn't. What's the guy now? That's that that that. that who's the new Rick D's now? That well, guy Ryan Seacrest is yes, kind of uh, right. He, he, I don't think he ever really had that kind of stature, but in Rick my mind... Rick D's never had Ryan Seacrest stature? Yeah, he, like at the well, time... He's omnipresent, Ryan Seacrest. Right, right. But at the time, it, when I was using my, my, you know, my pull, right. it, was, it was some lower rung pull, just, just to be totally clear. Did you think of calling like Mark and Brian or anybody else that, you know... <sighs> no, I just... Um, you just went right to just, Rick D's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's amazing to yeah. me. Uh-huh. I love that. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. The other thing I wanted, you, you mentioned yesterday that I just thought was funny, as an aside, was your, your, anger, your um, anger, anger about... Uh, at the homesteading movement? Yeah, if you want to just talk about that briefly. Well, I don't even know the name of the documentary I saw the trailer for, but it was some band or some group of bands that are taking a trip across our great nation mm-hmm. in a train. Now, they're not taking a regular train. It's, it's, a, it's a bedecked train. But there's shots of like this guy with a uh, standing there playing I don't know a fiddle or something, and his the windows open. That never happens on a train these <laughs> days. Um, and his beard is blowing in the wind. <laughs> and it is so upsetting this image. But I was saying that um, of all the uh, the groupies throughout history, I think the homesteader groupies make me the angriest. <laughs> and you, and that that group is main, basically like you're talking about like Mumford and Sons, right? They'll have the, like they'll, they'll, somebody playing a washboard and dressed in a barrel right. as an outfit, and and you know blowing into a jug, and right. and somebody has makes it's like they have their own bees, so they can make their own mustache wax. But all the groupies just bake pies for the bands. But they're all wearing those Little House on the Prairie dresses and no makeup, and they they they, they look like Holly Hobby or or those creepy things like Love Is with those big eyes. They just terrify me. Of all the groupies, a person could have. I don't know the homesteading groupies. Those buggy the most. Right now, yes. Did Marilee look like that? Is that maybe why we're getting to this? <sighs> or was she your traditional like Sunset Strip, nineteen eighty five? Um. Spiky blonde hair. No, she was at the time um, a, a, a photographer of food. So I feel like she was really on the cutting edge of a business that I just thought, that's going nowhere. Who wants to see photos of food? <laughs> oh, everybody. Apparently everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's all. Isn't that all that people Instagram now? It's just the meal they made or? Or their kids. Right. It's either like, oh, I had this piece of pie. Mm-hmm. Or my kids eating this piece of pie. Right, yeah. It's one or the other. Yeah. 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 Um, but the music I really love right now, Dirty Projectors. Oh, okay. Yeah, I feel like they possibly have heard of my father. Well, you know, 
couple uh, trips to the Chateau Marmont. Right. <laughs> you never know. They have a new album, right? Didn't they just come out with a new album? Or they're Swing Low in? Magellan. So good. Um, it's so, so good. Myself, I'm into Beach House right now. Mm-hmm. That's what Matt Price. Maybe also a fan of your father. Mm. I don't know. Mm. You apparently don't care. No, I do care. Okay. But you're married. That doesn't help me. No, I'm just saying Beach House. Oh, okay. We're just talking about Beach House oh, right now. Oh, okay. Um, did you want to get on my shoulders? Is that what's happening? Listen, I've got to, I, I don't know how to do it now. I'm, I, I'm, I'm jumping back into the dating world, and I don't know how to make this happen. To get well, on someone's shoulders. I think you can do it. Well, the old me would have just you know, gone to some clubs and tried to hook up with a musician. It's just not right. realistic. I'm in my 40s, and I have an A cup and a body that says, hey, she's, she's lived a little. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, well, I disagree with that assessment. Thank but you. I think you could uh, also call Rick Dees because mm-hmm. he still has a show and be like, hey, Rick, maybe you could frame yourself in a more positive way okay. to Rick Dees. Yeah. But just say, hey, Rick, I'm, I'm out there again. I, what I, do you I, say? I seriously am. Rick, we're gonna, I'm going to come on your show. You're going to ask me if I'm dating. I'm going to say no, and then we'll just leave it hanging this time. <laughs> can you, can you, I mean, could you call, could we set up a phone call right now to call Rick Dees and just see what happens? Oh, my God. I'm going to seriously look into it. If you call Rick Dees, will you come back and yes. tell us what happened? Yes. Because I actually think it would be successful. <laughs> And I think he'd make a thing out of it. You know? He'd be like, we're here, it's Rick Dees, and I got Moon Zappa looking for a man. <laughs> Dees dates. Uh, you know, that's the whole thing. By the way. Dees nuts, he'd call it. But one thing I Come do, on, Dees nuts? That's cute. Moon anything? That's cute. That's cute. But I'm preoccupied because I'm thinking about my vagina. And okay. so I'm thinking Fair. about... Fair. My f- the final thing I'll leave you with is um, that you have to vote for Obama. If you care about a vagina... Yours or someone else's, you may not vote the Romney ticket. No, no Romney Ryan. Mm-mm. Pro vagina, no Romney Ryan. That's right. That's what they're chanting in the streets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a band that they've been they've been using the music for. Is it sil- silver something pickups? Silver sun pickups. They they put out a cease and desist to Romney. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Stop it. I mean, that is. I think that's hilarious. Was it their main? So- was it that song that? Uh, I've been waiting. That's not the song. I, I'm not that- sure, but I just I just love when an indie band says, "Oh no, you don't." Well, they had a, in Romney's defense, they, Silver Sun Pickups had a song called Romney's Number One. <laughs> no, they did not. No, they didn't. <laughs> Um, Moon, thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> thanks for having me. Please come back. I will. Thanks. You're kissing strangers on the corner. A sunset and fine. Sunset and fine. Look at you. A brand new tattoo just below your panty line. That was a little bit of If Your Mama Knew by Jim Bianco off his album Sing. Please, please download his material. It's very good. Jim Bianco. Uh, thank you to Moon Zappa. Uh, wow. A lot to talk about. A lot of follow-up I could do with Moon Zappa. I did want to say Matt Belknap um, did um, did find that that song, the cult song, came out in 1989. So we just did a little quick math and realized Moon was probably over 18 at that time. So if you were alarmed that she was giving an underage blowjob in the Chateau Marmont, do not be it was okay. It was legitimate, legitimate, filthy blowjob to a member of the cult who creepily asked her to do that in a very British way. Okay. Okay. But it, it was legal, I guess. I mean, blowjobs, they're not illegal. I mean, right? If you're over 18. 
Anyway, okay. I just want to clarify that because we don't condone that illegality here. And uh, as, anyway, sorry. I'm a little flustered. Okay. Uh, folks, also the Rick D's thing made me laugh. Okay, folks. Uh uh, next guest here on Whale Cave um, is an old friend of mine who I want to talk to about for about this. Uh, what well, we're going to talk about for for a while. I want to talk about. It. Um, he is the segment producer for the Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson, um, and he uh, he's here today to talk about uh, his. Well, I'll let him talk about it. But Bart Coleman, welcome. Thank you to Whale Cave. Oh, and you also have an awesome website. Just real quick, tell me, tell us about your website. I just started a Tumblr called Stub History. That's stubhistory.tumblr.com, where I've taken all of my ticket stubs since middle school to present day, scanned them, and I'm posting one a day. Really? And it's really cool. I've been to it, and it. we were talking about it yesterday a little bit, how it, just like the font, the stub font, just yeah. evokes so much. And every show, I mean, it's, it, it's so cool. So go yeah. ch- check that out, too. It's a lot of fun, and it's really jogging memories that it's just things I completely forgot about uh, from the 80s, 90s, and so on. Um, any yeah. cult concerts? Do you have any cult concerts? I never <laughs> saw the cult. Probably good. And now I'm glad. Yeah, probably good. <laughs> I'm so, t- terrified but, of them. But we wanted to talk about um, your fish concert going because yes. you are, in my estimation... The, I mean, well, you're a, a monster fish fan. Pretty big. You just saw last night your 81st fish concert. Yep. And uh, and I just just want to, and you're going to see them a lot this weekend, a couple times. Three shows this weekend, San Francisco. But I want to tell the the listeners just describe you a little bit. You, I would describe you as and, and jump in at any point. Um, relatively clean cut look. Uh, father of two. Yep. Um, I would say, you know, uh, you you know, you like your button-down shirts. <laughs> like you're not, you're just not. You're, when I think, oh, typical follows jam band. Yeah, I'm around. not. I'm not a filthy hippie. You're, yeah, you're not. <clears throat> you don't have patchouli oil. You don't have the white dreads like the guy no. in Faith No More. In the fish scene, those folks are called Wookies. They're called Wookies. Yeah, they have. They're white dudes with long dreads, and they look like Chewbacca a little bit. Is that, is that frowned upon in the fish scene? Or just, no, everyone's welcome in the fish scene. Everyone's welcome, but I will say the era that we're in now, Fish 3.0. Right, because they've stopped twice. They've they've, stopped down twice. They've stopped down twice. Right. 3.0 era. Does it have Siri, Fish (laughs) 3.0? Not yet. Okay. But uh, there's less Wookiees in the scene now, and I think because ticket prices have gone up, um, gas prices, I mean, it's not affordable to tour like it used to be in the 90s. And it's not like the 70s dead, I need a miracle kind of situation. There's the occasional miracle out in the parking lot. But uh, touring has gotten expensive and the Wookiees have gone back into hibernation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I I, like, I was at a show last night in Long Beach. I don't think I saw one person who would fit in that category. I mean, there were definitely some younger younger people but you don't really see that whole kind of stereotypical fish fan okay that people would as- assume are, are at every show okay well let's go back let's let's t- take us through a little bit of your history your fish jury <laughs> yeah my fish jury well is that the title of your book too? it will be fish jury never get around to writing it um so i guess 
going back to uh, college, I was way into blues. Mm -hmm. So much so where I kind of closed myself off to other music. Mm -hmm. I was just, I was living in Austin and I was at blues clubs three, four, five nights a week. Um, overdosing on Texas blues, traditional blues, southern um, blues and all that. And then coming out of that, I moved to California, got into the Grateful Dead because the dead never came to Texas. They had problems with the cops and they swore that they would no longer tour in Texas. Mm -hmm. Moved to California, got into the dead right at the tail end, 93, 94, 95. And when I get into something, it becomes hyper obsessive. <laughs> so when I got into the dead, it was like nothing else existed. And I went uh, head first into that scene. Um, coming out of the dead, everyone was talking about fish. Oh, they're the next dead. Or, you know, if you're into the dead, you'll like fish. And I kind of wasn't buying it. And it was all just like me being not open-minded at the time. And I passed up a couple couple opportunities to see them, 92, uh, 93, and so on. And I didn't even make it to my first fish show until December 96 at UCLA Poly Pavilion. And I just went by myself out of uh, curiosity, mm -hmm. wanting to see what, what is everyone talking about, what's the big deal. I'd heard a couple of uh, fish tracks, like, but not... It's really hard. It's a hard thing to just get into quickly. Well, because they're also not like a studio band. I mean, I know yeah. they have a bunch of albums, but like they're yeah. more about seeing the show. It's a lot like of the experience. Dead. They weren't like right. Exactly. People are not psyched about listening to their albums. They're not a singles band. Not at all. Right. So yeah, first show. Um, I went by myself. I sat next to a couple of youngsters, a couple of guys who were probably nineteen or twenty, and uh, they fired up a joint early on. And when I asked for a hit, they just stared at me and said, um, that's okay, officer. <laughs> <laughs> they were completely convinced I was a cop. <laughs> and I guess I look like a cop. I don't know. I was wearing a police uniform. No. <laughs> um, I just was like, I, I was out, I was by myself. I looked out of place. and uh, Maybe there were w more Wookiees back then. There were way more Wookiees. Right. For sure. so, and you don't look like it. You're not a Wookiee. No. Right. To, yeah. To a couple of young guys, I definitely look like a cop. Um, so, yeah, first show, I didn't totally get it. It didn't click yet. But I realized that it was very complex music mm -hmm. and that the musicianship was like nothing I'd ever seen before. It was a lot to take in, a lot to digest. And uh, then my second show, I got it a little bit more. Um, third show, I was hooked. And, and then, yeah. And, and that launched was, you. That launched you on your... That launched me into, like, a new phase of obsession right. that I didn't even know was possible. Right. And so you see a couple shows a year, I see, whenever they come around, which is like, what, they come around they don't every come. year. They come around yeah. and they do two, one, two shows a year. But yeah. now they do, like, a few. Well, they're really an East Coast band. They do the majority of their touring uh, on the East Coast. And then California is lucky enough to get them just a handful of times a year. And you were saying, um, you were talking, I was asking you what some of your best, ex not your best experiences, but like some of your most classic fish experiences. Because when I was in college, I hated the dead. Right. Because my friends, my best friends from home, we'd always go home every summer and sit on my friend Andy's roof 
and they would make me listen to the dead, like bootlegs. And they'd be like, oh, bro, <laughs> got to hear Toronto 76. Jerry goes into Ico, into Women Are Smarter. And we would just sit there and I'd be like, you're, you're killing it. You're killing it. Yeah. Well, that's the but thing I feel about- like being there and, and, you know, being on peyote or whatever you're being on <laughs> right. is enhancing the, the thing. And yeah. you were saying you had a, a pretty classic situation like that in Florida. Yeah, um, I saw a lot of shows in 97 and 98, more so in 98. And the band was going through a transition where they were getting like even jammier, like into more he- you know heavier, deeper jams and more funk-influenced. And the music was like evolving <clears throat> rapidly that year. And I think it was all kind of building towards this peak, which was the Millennium shows, um, December 31st, 99, in Big Cypress, Florida, which is a huge Indian reservation, a Seminole Indian reservation. And they did a two-day festival there. So that was your Y2K. Wasn't that Y2K? <laughs> yeah, that was Y2K, exactly. Right. But out there, it was in the middle of nowhere, no one was worried about There was no Y2K, yeah. Computers crashing. Exactly, or, yeah or answering machines not working. <laughs> right. Um, no one was concerned about anything in the middle of nowhere. Getting their hot mail. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was a beautiful scene out there, just trees and grass. Mm-hmm. And they built this massive stage, and they built kind of this little, like, village there for all the fans to, like, get food. And um, it was a real arts kind of there's arts installation installations and um a lot of stuff going on a lot of other activities other than just the the sets they were playing so yeah that's where i met up with some friends and friends of friends and here's where drugs kind of come into the picture <laughs> um yeah not, get to the drugs yeah. come on not that i am uh, advocating this no for, again we don't advocate underage blowjobs or, or un- drugs. Yeah, and if you can't handle your drugs, people, please stay away from them. Right. Um, so yeah, I met. Having a, said that, <laughs> having said that, I met a guy who offered me pharmaceutical grade ecstasy, mm-hmm. MDMA, and I had never taken it before, and I was apprehensive. And these friends had taken it the night before and assured me that everything was fine. Nobody got sick. Nobody uh, had any issues. So I took a leap of faith and tried it, and along with a big handful of mushrooms. It was <laughs> now, an in- interesting combination. Now, what's a big hand? Because you're a tall guy, so you have a big hand. What? <laughs> right. How many mushrooms? I mean, I've never done mushrooms, but I, I, my, when I've seen my friends do mushrooms, yeah. there's a mush. They do a mushroom. Or sure. M- caps, or maybe they eat a, caps sure, and cap. stems. Sure. You're uh, taking a handful. Yeah, it was a pretty big handful. Wow. Um, what uh, some would refer to as a heroic dose. A <laughs> heroic dose. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And uh, that's where you know... Plus the ecstasy. Plus the ecstasy, yeah. Okay. Which I had never mixed those two. And uh, wasn't quite sure what I was in for. But they did a midnight to sunrise set. And they started, um, I think it was around 11.45. And the build-up to them starting was there was this guy dressed as Father Time on a stationary bicycle riding this bicycle while this giant clock was ticking and the ticking was so was very loud and mm-hmm. i just remember the like the like tick, 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 tick 
for a long time, and it was freaking me out and just <laughs> really challenging uh, my whole concept of time. <laughs> like, time started to lose meaning. Um, the ticking was both driving me crazy and, like, setting my brain on fire at the same time. Mm-hmm. And just the anticipation of knowing that they were going to play all night. Uh, there was so much energy. And, oh, so this uh, is before they went on. Yeah. Father, oh, right, because Father Times were, were going before midnight, right? Okay. Yeah, exactly. And then, um, and then they came out, and it was like I could tell from the first note that it was just going to be one of those historic shows that I'd be talking about uh, years later on a podcast <laughs> <laughs> before I knew what a podcast was. Right. Sure. Um, but that's how tripped out you were. Yeah, yeah. And I had. You knew about podcasts. You could see. Yeah, I saw into the future. Yeah. And I just had a deeply religious, moving experience that night where, you know, it's an Indian reservation. It's like hallowed ground. And everyone there was just so happy. And the energy was just perfect. The music was amazing. And um, I, th- I think in my head, a lot of things happened. I figured out. We were all one in the universe. <laughs> um, it was just such a like peaceful, uh, like moment um, where I, I had many of these moments throughout the night, just looking at strangers and smiling at them, having that deep connection of everyone knowing they were experiencing something so great. Mm-hmm. And then there was uh, a little later on in the night when the drugs were really kicking in, where I was convinced I was shooting rays of light out of my chest. Oh, man. Or specifically out of my heart. No way. Towards the band. And I could uh, control the intensity of the light blasts where I was, like, causing them to play faster. (laughs) That I was, in a way, like, sending out so much energy at them that I was controlling the jams. So many heart lights? Yeah. Wow. That went on for a while. You were like um, E.T. <laughs> but I do believe that the energy a crowd gives a band. Oh, for sure. Affects them completely. Yeah. So it's not outra- It's not an outrageous thought. The light coming out of my chest in retrospect probably not didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't have proof that it didn't happen. I can't prove it. Right. I mean, I saw it. I felt it. Yeah. That's amazing. In my reality, it was happening. Um... <laughs> That is awesome. Yeah. What now? Can you? I want to get to um, how it's influenced your life now, like with your wife and everything. Sure. Um, but just you, just you said you had a religious experience. Can you talk? Because I hear people say that a lot. Like I love, like I, like I said, I saw Regina Spector. I loved it. I was moved by it. But I, I even when I see the bet, like when Wilco, like I, you know, we've seen Wilco together, and I love yeah. Wilco. I would never say I've had a religious experience. I'd say I've been like, you know, happier than I've ever been in a show or whatever. But can you describe a little bit? Do you think you can articulate that? Like what yeah. you mean? Yeah. I think on a basic level, I was able to the music was affecting me on a cellular level and I felt kind of the highest possible state of bliss mm. or nirvana that night. I felt it. And that kind of, to me, is the closest I'll ever come to having true religion. Because, like, I'm culturally was raised Jewish. Mm-hmm. I love Jewish heritage and history and food and music and that whole deal. But I don't believe in God. So I'm completely atheist. But um, 
I just had such a spiritual awakening at that show that it's stu- it's stuck with me. Hmm. Okay. So it's like I think it's made me have a more positive outlook. I would say just on life in general. Yeah. All right. Because I've always wondered that, you know. Um, all right. So um, I do want to talk about Rebecca, like that. You know how that's it just influenced your life together. Because you said you. Uh, that sort of changed, like her, how she's liked it, how she, right. you know. Well, first of all, she likes to brag that she saw the band before I did, which is true. She saw them at Syracuse. Okay. When she was in school. So she had... She has that on you. Yeah, she saw them in 95 or 96, but it was before my, mm-hmm. fir- my first show. Um, and she definitely hung out with Fish fans in college. But then um, as the years progressed and she started to become... I would say negatively <laughs> uh, influenced by just me disappearing and, and traveling and going to shows. Sure. Having that be, be, become such a priority, um, she started to like flip the other way and like uh, uh, having, you know, I'm at a loss for words. Well, it's um, like when they got, you know, like I, I'm, I mean, I, I yeah, know you do Fish don't. is like the other woman, basically. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then when we had kids, it was like, I thought my priorities would <laughs> change to where I wouldn't be as obsessed with touring and listening to them nonstop, but it, it not much has changed, except that I love my kids and I'm super into my kids. Sure. But, yeah, I mean, mu- that's just who I am. Music is a huge part of my life. Right. And you said you got engaged at... Got engaged at a Trey Anastasio show. In the pit, you said? Yeah. The orchestra pit of the Greek Theater in L.A. <laughs> and... Uh, we were as front and center as you can be, like basically hanging on the divider between um, the stage and the and the audience. And uh, at the end, towards the end of the set, the two set show I can't remember, but uh, towards the end of the show, I pulled out the ring and popped the question under the influence of. Uh, pot brownies right so you on this very romantic night yeah you're both on pot brownies under the stars beautiful july night Mm -hmm. 2001 (laughs) and uh right in front of train anastasio during the song push on till the day were you waiting for that song no but it just felt right now she she's on pot brownies when she Mm -hmm. does she think this is all like a crazy hallucination she did. She kept looking like at the it. the ring's going to be a, like a spaceship? Yeah. She just kept, get inside. kept staring at it and like she'd look away, look at the stage, and then look back at the ring every like couple minutes mm-hmm. and just like l- laughing her ass off. Right. Cause, like, and she said yes. She said yes. Yeah. It all worked out. But it was also like in years later when she, t- she tells the story, she's like, this was Bart's perfect you know engagement story like it right. came back to like me being selfish in a way <laughs> oh like um yeah i don't I, we it's like if we had another hobby together let's say we were super into pottery and then i did it at a pottery class yeah <laughs> it would be more equal you know right yeah no you did it, you did it on your turf basically yeah you didn't go to her whatever Right, exactly. Right, her swimming club. I don't know. But it's a good story. It's a great story. And you also said in the delivery room when uh, your son was born. 
Yeah, Fish had to be playing when my son came out of um, the C-section operation. (laughs) (laughs) Which makes it easier to time. Yeah, exactly. I was just going to say that. So, yeah, um, he was breached. So we had the scheduled C-section, and I made the playlist on the iPad. And Cedars is really cool. They let you plug your iPod into their system. Yeah, we did the same thing when uh, when Hazel was born. Right. So, yeah, I set up the... um, I think I had like eight songs on the playlist. And the first song was the Grateful Dead, uh, The Wheel, or Jerry Garcia Band, The mm-hmm. Wheel. And then... as Also, the, it wasn't all fish. No. Oh, wow. But as The Wheel ended, that's when um, Piper started, the fish song Piper. The fish song, okay. Yeah, and that's when uh, Gus entered the world. And did you, were you like, hold on, don't pull him out? Until the fish song came on, or were you just like, whatever's happening? Because tomorrow I had the same thing. We had an emergency C-section. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> it, I wasn't really thinking. Like, I had a 14-hour delivery mix that we were going to play, that we played during labor, but then this whole rush happened, and we had to go into the delivery room, and everything was okay, but, or the, the C-section area, but yeah. But I wasn't like, wait, hold on, let's get um, well, Lay it, Lady Lay on there. It was a long version of Piper. Oh, okay. Was it live? Yeah. Okay. Us, we go 99. See, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So, now you're bringing me back to my friends. Yeah. My high school friends. It was, uh, it was a killer piper. And I knew that, that I just had a feeling that it would, that's how it would time out. Yeah. I was, I was joking with you about the gesture, but I was saying, it, it was it bouncing around the room? Because <laughs> you could call it bouncing around the womb. I love it. Yeah. And One that, of my least favorite fish songs. And they played it last night. And that's like one of my most favorite fish songs because I know three fish songs. Right. We got to change that, man. I like. I mean, listen. I you've gotten me a little bit into them. Like I have the. I mean, I have their album. Like I have. Is it Hoist? Moist. Sure. What yeah. is that? Hoist. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I need to see them to appreciate any of the. Yeah. What they what they bring to the table. Absolutely. The other the one thing I want to talk to you about too is that you have talked to me about. Um, listening exercises yes can you talk about that a little bit like yeah. before the show absolutely because um, this was this was really interesting to me this was something that I kind of came up with on my own and it works for me and I'd be curious to see if other people tried it if it works for them uh, it's like I get into the zone of listening by putting on fish with headphones and just clearing my head of everything and just focusing on the music. It's a very kind of zen exercise. Mm-hmm. And what I do is I kind of, uh, in my mind, break up the music into a quadrant of uh, each instrument. So I have, you know, I'm picturing it on a grid, drums, bass, guitar, and keys. Mm-hmm. And then I'll shift uh, the focus of what I'm listening to to just guitar. And so I'm solely focused on guitar for a few minutes and then I'll then I'll push the levels over to bass and I'm just focusing on bass. This is before so before our show. Yeah, this is like m- me warming up. Yeah. Stretching before run. And is it <laughs> you're getting the hammies? <laughs> yeah. Stretching them out. It's a brain exercise. Yeah. So you're you're doing it is this to a fish song is it any song is it whatever fish I'm listening to. Got it. Sometimes okay. it's random. I'll just on my iPod I have just filled with live fish. And this helps you. You think this this enhances the concert? Yeah, definitely. Because when I get to the concert, 
my number one goal is to clear my head Mm -hmm. and just listen and just take in every note. And if I, if my mind starts to wander for a second Mm -hmm. and I think about, you know, work or a parking ticket or anything, I get really mad at myself. Yeah. And then I have to pull the focus back to the band. Yeah, of course. Um, And if someone tries to talk to me, that's the worst. Like, that's the absolute... Talking during a fish show is really bad. Yeah, what do you do in that case? Because I was just, again, just at the show, and one of my problems with going to shows, any shows, people talk. There was a couple next to us who, you know, at Regina Spectre, who clearly liked her a lot. Yeah. But still, the guy would alternate between being like, Regina! And being like... It's not okay. Yeah, just talking loudly about the song. And I... So what I mean, what do you do in that scenario? Because you clearly, at Fish, they're all, yeah. for the most part, they're fans. I'm a big shusher. I will shush people. I don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'll move. You go finger shush up to the mouth or just a shush? Just a nice, gentle pat on the shoulder. Like, hey, you know, let's we'll enjoy the down, show. Right. Yeah, please keep it down. Let's. Just, I'm not like a jerk about it. Yeah. But if it's like drunk people or mm. people who can't handle their drugs, I will move away. I'll go find another okay. spot. Okay, yeah. Um, I'm not going to like get in an altercation, but, um, if I'm with a friend and they want to chat, I'll be like, come on, who, <laughs> what's going on here? We could talk after the show. Yeah. You've done your listening. And we will. Exercise. We'll talk about yeah. fish for eight hours when the show's over. Yeah. But you generally like going alone. You're cool going alone. Uh, I always know people. I was going to say, do you, when you yeah. go, you probably have a, I've been to shows with you and you're like, oh man, there's, but you know, you seem to know sort of a traveling yeah. crew of, there's a core group. Right. Of folks that I see at every show. Non-Wookies. Right. Yeah. Professionals. Yep. <laughs> There's professionals and Wookies. Right. Um, I'm trying to think. I, there's so many things I want to ask you about, but I uh, is there any more you, you at the moment? I feel like this is a pre, you know, it's like a sort I of can, a primer. Yeah, I can tell you um, an interesting thing about last night's show. Oh, yeah. Let's end on that note. What which, about last night's show? Last night's show... Which was, I'm sorry, I don't know if I mentioned this, but that was your 81st. 81st I think I did. Show. And then this weekend, you're a couple more. And then you're going to San Francisco for a couple more. Well, this weekend is San Francisco. Oh, I'm sorry. This weekend is San Francisco. Yeah. Okay, great. Okay. So, so it's 82, 83, and 84. Exactly. Got it. So last night was the first show back since they had a couple weeks off. Um, this was the second leg of summer tour opener. And people were very excited about, you know wondering what was going to happen are they going to like keep up the momentum from the first leg which everyone agreed was a killer uh leg of shows um and so what got overshadowed last night from the music being great was the presence of justin bieber and selena gomez oh they were there yeah which terrifies me and i wonder if this is the tipping point <laughs> of uh, a wonderful scene being completely ruined. <laughs> um, I just I can't explain it. But then I read something in the Hollywood Reporter today saying that Justin Bieber's guitar player is a huge fish head mm-hmm. and uh, convinced him to go. And then they hung out backstage <laughs> and took pictures with um, uh, some of the band members' kids, who I guess were fans. Sure, of course. Did it bother you just because he's? You don't want? Do you not want other kids to just hop like pop sort of loving kids to hop on the fish bandwagon because Biebs did it? That's the general. Yeah, I'm scared about that. Um, 
I mean, there's always been like the occasional celebrity who's into fish that you wouldn't like. Fred Savage is a huge fish. Is he? Fred. <laughs> Seen him at shows. Um, Paul Dano. Mm-hmm. But it's like more indie, smaller. Right. You know, it's not like you know huge celebrities are are into it. Maybe their kids are into it. Um, there was a joke years ago where during a fish show, Trey said. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we have a very special guest here, Tom Hanks. And then this was in Vegas. And then this guy came out, and he really did look like Tom mm-hmm. Hanks. And everyone in the audience who wasn't super close to the stage thought mm-hmm. it, thought it really was Tom Hanks. Uh-huh. And they were all people were in my row were saying, "Well, maybe his kids are into it." We were trying to like justify it, right? <laughs> but then it was just some friend of theirs who looked like Tom Hanks. <laughs> it was just an awesome prank. And you're also, at the same time, telling them to be quiet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to talk about it, but shh. <laughs> right. Stop it. Well, um, have a great time in San Francisco. Oh, thank you. I'm certain I will. I really appreciated this. Uh, I want to talk to you about this for a while, so I really appreciate it. It was fun, and I only wish you had done it as um, Whistling Pete. <laughs> next and time. The whole interview is Pete. Next, you- next time I'll do that. Okay, good. Um, well, folks... That's our show. That's Whale Cave. Uh, I'm going to go out with a little Jim Bianco. I'm going to... It's sad to say goodbye, so I'm going to do a little slow. A little slow, Bianco. There we go. I want to say thanks to Moon Zappa, Bart Coleman, Matt Belknap over here, and, of course, Jim Bianco. This song is called Belong. Thanks for listening. Oh, email me, matt at whalecave.com. I belong to you. I don't know how I know it. But I belong to you Sometimes I don't show it But I know I do Baby, I belong to you To be in love, you know what hurts You can drag them through the dirt Just don't spite We'll take our time to be alone You're asleep when I come home Still I crawl in Cause I belong to you I don't know